0: Snap Studios. Have you ever had that one friend that you share everything with? The one you always go to when you mess up and you know that they're going to help you out. No judgment. Well, today on Snap Judgment. Ray Christian Dickens finds out that they are that friend when a coworker reaches out with a very sensitive question. And sensitive listeners should know this story does contain sexual situations and references to homophobia. And this is a podcast exclusive. It will not be on Snap Public Radio broadcast. It will not be heard on NPR stations. It's just for you. Ray first told this story on the podcast Risk. Ray take it away.
1: I am 21, and I am walking home from my local watering hole, and it's about 1030 at night, and I get a text from one of my co-workers. We'll call her M. M is just a little bit younger than me. We're not, like, Friends, We're friendly co-workers. I open the text, and Em has asked me, Have you ever used a diva cup? A diva cup is a silicone bulb that you insert into your vagina during menstruation, and it catches the blood. I text her back. I haven't used one myself, but I- I've heard really good things. What's up? Is something wrong? And a moment later, M texts me back. I got a diva cup stuck inside of me. Will you help me get it out? Now, I'm no stranger to doing favors for people, but this one in particular made me step back and pause. Why me? I've always really been drawn to the myth of Little Red Riding Hood. My favorite interpretation of the Little Red Riding Hood myth is the sexual awakening myth. A young woman goes out into the world and is led astray by a masculine figure um, and has to sort of fight for her innocence. And I realized that if Little Red Riding Hood is supposed to be representative of absolute pure femininity as a black woman, I have never had the opportunity to be that. There's no space for me. And if I couldn't be Little Red Riding Hood, well, I guess that makes me the wolf. I've never really felt at home in womanhood. It's always felt like I was putting on this performance that I had to maintain, because if I I dropped the performance, if I was myself, I'd be found out I can't wrap my head around the fact that she trusts me so much. It feels like something has to be wrong. She has to be missing something. She can't possibly be knowingly trusting me in this way. As I keep thinking about it, though, I realize I don't have much of a choice but to help her because I can see the other scenario so clear in my head. I see this poor 20 year old girl waddling into the ER because all the urgent cares were closed and having to put her legs up in the stirrups, surrounded by doctors and nurses. And the only thing worse than being in a real crisis is when it's only a crisis to you. And I think that's the most quintessential woman thing there is. So I take a deep breath and I text her back, meet me at my apartment in 45 minutes, bring gloves. So I rush back home and I start to prepare my bedroom to be the most comfortable and accommodating place for the procedure. I think personally that I construct a really good 10 minute gynecology office I lay out towels on my bed, I set up some pillows for back support, and I grab some lanterns because the lighting in my bedroom is really bad. I also grab a rollerball of like stress away essential oil. It's just anxious nesting. It's this weird panic of like, okay, where do normal people put their shoes? How do normal people put put like the blankets on their bed? As I'm preparing this space, while I know what my intentions are, I know I'm genuinely trying to help someone, there's always this part of me that's saying, you're just tricking people into feeling safe with you, but no one should actually feel safe with you. It's a trick. And by curating my living space, it feels like a trick. It feels like the wolf putting on the Karamwa clothes. So about 10 minutes after I finally gotten everything ready, I hear a knock at my door. I go to open it and M is standing there, red faced, puffy, she's obviously been crying. She hugs me and the first thing she says is, I'm sorry if I smell, I've been stressed, sweating. We go into my bedroom. She takes off her pants and gets on the bed while I'm putting on the gloves she got me, ribbed for grip. I grew up in Boone, North Carolina, in very conservative purity culture. And one thing nobody talks about, about growing up in purity culture, is the majority of people come out of it with some form of sexual dysfunction. Um, And if you have a vagina, it's generally vaginismus, where the muscles in your vagina will not relax to allow any form of penetration. So what had happened was M had lost her virginity the night before. After a long struggle with vaginismus that we had been talking about, she thought she was grown now. And so she, thinking she was grown, was like, I'm gonna use a diva cup. And it got stuck. So M lays down on the bed And she's got her knees together and I kneel down in front of her. I put my hands on her knees and as confidently and as comfortingly as I can muster, I ask, are you ready? Which is ridiculous because of course not. Em breaks down in this like half sobbing, half laughing, hiccuping noise. She's having a full breakdown when something goes wrong with any other part of your body, it feels like it's just a thing that happens, but there is something that feels like an existential threat when something goes wrong with your vagina. Like it is this mixture of like of shame and the world ending. It takes a lot of effort for M to finally spread her legs. And I am kneeling there in front of the Labia Majora of my coworker. And all I can think is, is this how it happens? Is this how I touch another person's vagina for the first time? I think I was 15 or 16. Uh, and it was a girl in my dance class, specifically the Christian dance troupe that I was in. Um, and she was this gorgeous, like curvy, uh, pale blonde. And I remember we were just, like, messing around after dance class, and she was, like, lying on the ground, and I was standing over her. And I remember, like, looking at her and being just so overcome with the feelings I felt towards her. And immediately, it was like there was no joy in that attraction. It felt like, like a, just a ton of bricks had been dropped on me, just like a, oh this is it. Th- this is who I am. I'm a queer person. When you're, when you're a teenager in a conservative area, um, you hear a lot of people talking about, like, I don't want the queers on my dance team. I don't want the queers in my football team because I don't want them, like, watching me in the locker room. And I remember, like, years of, like, getting dressed in uh, ballet green rooms and feeling like I was doing something wrong by just being there amongst like naked women. Like I don't want to hurt people. And it felt like as long as I am attracted to women, I'm always hurting them by being around them in any capacity because I am engaging in some non-consensual sex act. And I myself just felt so much like this hypersexual predator. This girl is pantsless, laying on her back, shaking and crying on my bed. And for some reason, she trusts me. And having gone my whole life thinking I'm this aggressive sexual predator, it feels like I'm a wolf in sheep's clothing.
0: It is not over. When we return, Ray goes in. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Snap Judgment. You're listening to the Bring Gloves episode my name is Glenn Washington, and sensitive listeners should note this story does contain sexual situations and references to homophobia. When last we heard from Ray, the gloves are on, the towel is laid, but can Ray go through with the task? Snap Judgment.
1: I take a deep breath, I still myself, and I dive in. Now, I thought that diva cups had like a little tail at the end that poked out but I pulled back the lips and there's no tail and this is when I realized I then have to actually put my finger inside of her but I'm losing my mind every problem every insecurity I've ever had in my life is just bubbling up to the surface and I have to take care of this girl I... Put my finger inside of her, there's this moment of pause, like I hold my breath, and then nothing happens. I am not suddenly overcome by violent, destructive urges, I am not transforming into a monster or a predator. It didn't feel like my sexuality in that moment was an obstacle to be overcome. It didn't feel like it was something that was in the way or even relevant. It was no longer an issue. My anxiety calms down just enough for me to focus on the task at hand. It takes a while to get just one finger in and get to the Diva Cup. It then takes another while to get my thumb in so I can actually grip the Diva Cup. Now, I've never used a Diva Cup before, and thus, I don't know that diva cups work by forming a suction on the cervix. So as soon as I get a hold of it, I just yank. Em bolts off the bed and she screams at me, why didn't you break the seal? And I yell back, I didn't know there was one! I'm feeling so remorseful. I'm so upset that I, I hurt her. I messed this up. But After she catches her breath, she's not upset with me. She's still half laughing, half crying, the way she has been the entire time. And she's still trusting me to do this. And that feels crazy to me. And it also feels like that trust is the most important thing anybody's ever given me. So we take a break for her to recover from me trying to rip her cervix out of her body. We hydrate, we breathe. She lays back down and we get back to it. After about 15 minutes of fishing around in this poor girl's vagina, I finally get a hold of the diva cup. And this time I do break the seal. I pull it out and I hold it up and Em immediately bursts into tears. And she chokes out through her sobs. I'm just so happy. The story of Little Red Riding Hood, like any myth has been told so many times, there's so many different versions of it. I think my favorite ending is uh, the one where she is eaten and she is saved by the woodsman. And the real ending of the story is her reflecting having sort of, in some ways, failed this test of adulthood, but learned from it. After talking about it the day after, we realized that the Diva Cup wasn't actually stuck. She was having a panic attack. And she was very freaked out by the inside of her own vagina. She could not get her fingers inside of herself without panicking because I think in a lot of ways we discount how much your body holds on to anxiety and trauma even when consciously you're fighting to move past it. I feel like I came to terms with being the wolf that being who I am having the sexuality that I do and being attracted to what I am still doesn't make me a threat. At the end of the day, I am still in control of my choices and I make the best choices I can in the moment. And I know that I don't seek to harm anybody. I took all of my thoughts and ups and emotions that I have about being a wolf in a world of little red riding hoods. And I put all of that into a solo play called Red With Irritation that I wrote for the girl I met in my screenwriting class. It took so much hyping up for my friends to even text her. I think I sent her some Hozier memes and that's what leads me to finally asking her to hang out. She comes over and we just hang out for like two to three hours and we listen to music and we talk about nothing. And it's really casual and in the grand scheme of things, so small, but it feels like such a huge act of intimacy to be in this closed intimate space with a woman that I like and for that to be okay. Inviting this girl over was so different from when I had M over. With M, I I was so horrified that my sexuality might rear its head in some way during this encounter. Whereas, with this girl from my screenwriting class, I was doing it because I was attracted to her. And it wasn't something I had to fight. But when I I sent her this play and I said, I wrote this with you in mind. I I think this is your story to perform. She sent me, I think it came out to like 10 minutes of her doing a full read through. And she's a very good actress. And there were tears. It was scary to be seen that much and to share that much with another person. I've only watched that video once or twice, and I can't watch it again. It's just too intense.
0: Ray Christian Dickens first told this story for the podcast Risk Risk goes where others dare not tread so much more amazing risk wherever you get your podcast the Risk Podcast and Ray thank you so much for sharing you can find more of their work at rcdickens.com or we're going to have a link at snapjudgment.org original scores by Sudi Watch Press was produced by David Exmay This is but one episode of Snap Judgment. So much more, so much more awaits. And if you want to be the most interesting person you know, tell your friends about Snap Judgment. Even better, sport a Snap Judgment t-shirt and bring all the boys to the yard. Snap gear available right now at Snap Snap is brought to you by the team that always stands ready to help a friend out of a tricky situation. Except, of course... For the producer, Mark Ristich, he'll advise you to call AAA. There's Anna Sussman, Nancy Lopez, Pat Masini miller Renzo Gorio, Shana Sheely, Tao Ducat, Flo Wiley, John Facile, Marissa Dodge, Regina Beriaco, David Exame, Bo Walsh, and Annie Nguyen. And this is not the news. No way, the News. In fact, you can ask your buddy to help you out of a jam, only to realize They are the one that got you into a jam in the first place. And you would still, still not be as far away from the news as this is. But this is P.R.